sure, and he's in much prayer for all of us. But I just am thankful for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Thankful for the opportunity to open God's word, and I don't take that lightly. And I've asked that the Lord would just get me out of the way, and through His word, through the power of His Holy Spirit, speak to each one of our hearts uh, this evening. But before I do that, just a quick update on Soren. Uh, yesterday was a tough day for Deirdre and for me and for the girls, I'm sure, uh, just to uh, see him leave. And uh, it's just been a good journey for him. And I'm just thankful for how he's allowed God's word uh, to lead and direct. Uh, oh, turn the mic on. I, so none of you heard anything what I said. <laughs> Sure, you, you, you've heard enough of that. Uh, but thank you so much for praying for him. And um, he just uh, got there at about 11 o'clock at night and uh, got, to, got to bed at about 2. Uh, we just saw a little bit about the service this morning where there was a group that at the airport that welcomed him, but there was a uh, just in church this morning. And um, Pastor Terry has him preaching this evening, so pray for him as he, as he prepares for that. Uh, but let's just commit this time to the Lord and just ask that he would just speak to our hearts this evening. Our Father, we want to thank you for just this opportunity we have in the first Sunday of this new year to be able to open your word, even as we did this morning. And Father, just consider Christ. Consider what you would have us consider, Lord, from your word today. And I pray today that you would take your word that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would speak to each one of our hearts. Father, you know where each one of us is at, even in terms of our relationship with you at this point. And you know what each of us need today. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would take your word and that you would use it according to each of our needs. For we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to First Timothy chapter 2. I was sitting where you're sitting this morning, and I was looking at the board up here, <clears throat> which says, for the cause of Christ, and that is the theme for the year. And if you look below that, it says the focus for the month of January is through priority. And I was reflecting this morning uh, and again this afternoon with regards to what does that really mean for me? What does that really mean for us as a church and I was just praying and asking the Lord that he would show what uh, he would have me uh, preach from today. I was thinking about the life of Christ. And if there were two things that, uh, there were many lessons that we can learn from his life in the things that he wanted to instill and teach disciples and then obviously teach all of us. But the two that stood out to me today was obviously his burden for people. He came so that the lost world would have the opportunity to have a right relationship with God. That was one of his core areas of focus. But the second is one that he not only preached and thought, but also he practiced in his own life, and that was prayer. And then if I was, then I was, I was thinking about others in the New Testament, the life of Paul stands out. And if you see Paul's life and you read about Paul's life, and we as a family these past few weeks have had the privilege of just focusing on the book of Ephesians, 
And here you see in Paul's life the same pattern. A burden for souls and the pattern of prayer. Because Paul patterned his life after the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we were to stop for a moment and think about two things that can be our priority in today's, in this day and age, those two would still stand out. But I want to focus this evening on the subject of prayer. Because I believe that as we begin this new year, and as we think about this new year, whether it be as an individual, whether we think about this new year as a family, whether we think about this new year as a church, prayer and our communion with the Lord needs to be something that is foundational. You know, going back to Paul, as he, wrote, as he writes to the church in Ephesus, and you see in chapter 1, verses 15 to 20, chapter 3, verses 14 to 20, he talks about how much he's praying for them as a church. And he speaks about some specific areas in that portion, in both of those portions, with regards to how he was praying. And the things that he talks about there needs to be a pattern in our own lives about things that we pray for. But isn't it interesting that Paul, as he writes to the Ephesian church, not only calls out the matter of prayer, but as we study the book of Timothy and he, we, we study some things that Paul writes now to Timothy, he again, as he writes to a young man that is starting out on a journey, and he's the pastor of that church in Ephesus. He once again writes to him and calls out the importance of prayer. And my dear friends, if it was important to the Lord Jesus Christ and to Paul and to many others, it'll be foolish for us to ignore it in our own lives. It'll be foolish for us to continue the way we have continued maybe in the past in trying to live the Christian life in our own strength and going to God just a little here, a little there, rather than making our communion and our time with Him something that is paramount and something that is a priority. So if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses, verse 1, I'm going to read just that one verse if you would care to turn there and then Keep your fingers there and keep that portion open because we're going to refer to a few verses around that area. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. I exhort, therefore, first. And so, as we think about this portion of Scripture, and we think about the background and the time in which Paul here is writing to Timothy, Timothy was in a difficult place in his life. Oh yes, he was called to the ministry and he was very clear about the call. He was very clear that he had some gifts that God had bestowed on him. 
It was very clear that he was chosen for the ministry to which God had called him. And Timothy knew that he had to be faithful to that calling. But there were some challenges because Ephesus was not an easy place to minister in. There was idolatry all around, just like there is in our time and in our age. It was the church that he goes to in which Paul had actually taken care of that church and Paul had been the preacher for a few years there. And that's not an easy pair of shoes to kind of fit into for a young preacher. He had some health issues that he struggled with from time to time. But Paul, as he writes to Timothy, in chapter 1, he writes to him and he reminds him of some things that he wanted Timothy to be mindful of. I'm not going to get into too much detail because I want to focus on prayer, but in the first 11 verses of chapter 1, he writes and he instructs him on how he needs to focus and teach sound doctrine. From verses 12 to 17, he talks about the proclamation of the gospel. And in the rest of that chapter, then, he talks about how Timothy needs to stay grounded in his faith and how he needs to defend the faith. And all of those three things were not just relevant for Timothy, but they need to be relevant in each one of our lives. But as he writes in chapter 2 and he says, I exhort therefore first, my mind goes back to the preceding verses in chapter 1. And as we look at verse 17 there, very briefly you see there in verse 17 of chapter 1, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And as we think about the matter of prayer, what a tremendous verse that brings out the truth of the privilege that you and I have in prayer. Here is the throne room of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And in his inspired word, God just puts in all of the words there that are quite critical there for us to take note of. He's a king who is immutable, he's unchangeable. The king immortal, the king invisible, the king infallible. That's, how he, that's who he is. That's his infinite greatness. That's the God that we get to go to and the privilege that we have to go to in prayer. And the second part of that verse talks about his, infin his, his, his glory, which is not only evident to you and me, but it's an everlasting glory. In times past, people weren't able to go to that throne room. They had to go to a high priest or to a priest who, through whom they could go to that throne room. But today, if you are a child of God, the privilege that you and I have is to come each morning and to fall down before him and to commune in his presence. We can come to him boldly. We can come to him directly if we know him. But if you are sitting here this morning and you don't have that personal relationship with him, and he says, come. Because that's the very purpose that Jesus Christ came into this world. So that he could pay the price for your sins and for mine on a cross. 
so that we can have that relationship with him, that we can call him our heavenly father, that we can come boldly and talk with him. Oh, Paul had his share of trials. Timothy had his share of trials. And you and I have our share of trials. That's what every day is like. I'm reminded of the story of a lady who had, was cleaning the house one morning after her husband had gone to work. And it was a busy morning, so there she was vacuuming the house. And as she was doing that, the phone rang. And so she reached out, and whilst vacuuming the place that she wanted to focus on, she reached out to grab the phone to answer the phone. And unknown to her, the, the bottom end of the vacuum cleaner moved up, and right there was a little cage with a little parakeet inside named Chippy. And Chippy, the door opened, and Chippy got sucked into that vacuum cleaner. And so she frantically puts the phone down, she grabs the vacuum cleaner, opens the bag, and fortunately in that bag was Chippy, but this time all brown and black and discolored. So she takes Chippy out of the bag, and in her haste and not knowing what exactly to do, she runs to the tap and opens the tap and holds Chippy under this icy, cold water. Chippy wasn't a happy camper. And then she had this little bird that was all wet, so she grabs the next thing that she can find in the vacuum cleaner, puts it to maximum heat, and holds it on this little bird. So that little bird has gone from a, a vacuum cleaner, icy cold water, and now under a hot hairdryer. Well, Chippy used to sing a lot before, but she doesn't sing anymore. But that was Chippy's day. But you and I have days that are not that funny. And we've got difficult days that come into our lives. And I don't know what 19, 2019 holds for you or for me. I don't know whether there is a death around the corner, whether there is ill health around the corner, whether there is some financial crisis around the corner. I don't know what would go, what would happen. Neither do you. Here's what the Bible says. It says, and it reminds us that it's his children. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. That means you and I would go through some trials and testing in our life. It'll come. The question is, when it happens, does God have control? And he will have control if we are walking with him and we are communing with him on a daily basis. But not only do we see the privilege of prayer that we can go to God every time, every day, not just in the difficult times. But we see in the next verse there, if you look at verse 18, <clears throat> Paul says, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the, prophecy, pro, the, according to the prophecies which went before thee, that thou mightest by them war a good warfare. And Paul here is reminding Timothy of the purpose of prayer. 
And he says, Timothy, I want you to commune. I want you to go. I want you to make prayer a place that you go to regularly. Because there are going to be some times that come into your life that he talks about in this verse that are going to be difficult. But I want you to make prayer a priority in your life and purpose to pray so that you can war good warfare. That's what, he, that's what he wanted for Timothy. And the term there, charge, is a military term. And Paul says, Timothy, that's what I want you to do. But I want you to do that for, because first of all, I want you to war a good warfare. In other words, if I was to kind of, I've written out a principle here for my own life. He said, let victory be a defining trait in your life. Let victory be a defining trait in your life as a Christian. And the only way that my life can be victorious, even when I'm going through difficult times, and yours can be victorious when you're going through difficult times, is if the reins and the control is in God's hands. That thou mayest fight a good warfare. Just thinking about this portion of script, thinking about this, and again, I'm sure Paul could have been thinking about anything as he wrote this to Timothy. But what came to my own mind was what happened to Paul when he was put in that jail. In fact, if you read that portion of scripture before he ended up in that jail, where he and Silas were singing, they had had some great times. Timothy was, had come into the ministry. There had been lots of good things that happened, but then trouble broke out. And trouble broke out. We know the story of the maid uh, in Acts chapter 16. We know how the multitude, they, they, there was an uproar, and we knew, we, we, we read there how the magistrates then take them, put them in prison. So here's Paul and Silas in prison, and you know the story as to how at midnight they start praying and they start singing. Now, it's important to note that if you read through Acts chapter 16 and other portions of Scripture, this was a pattern. Praying was a pattern. Not getting into prison wasn't a pattern, but it, even though it happened. Getting into trouble wasn't a pattern, even though it happened. But prayer was a pattern in Paul's life. And so what he's doing here is what he naturally does on a day-to-day -day basis. And I want to pause there for a moment and ask us to examine our own hearts. How's our prayer life? Does it kind of go up on the graph when difficulties come? Or is our communion with the Lord one that is so disciplined and so much of a priority in your life and mine that God can come to that place that, you're meeting, that you meet him at daily and he knows that you and I will be there. Is that our communion? Or do we just call out to him only in distress? That was not the case with Paul and Silas that day. That was the reality of the situation they found themselves in, in trouble and in prison. But their response was, 
they prayed. They prayed like they usually did. And as a result of that response, you see what happened. In that portion there from in verse 26 of Acts 16, it talks about how there was an earthquake. It talks about how the foundations were shaken. It talks about how all the doors were opened. And it talks about how their bands were loosed. And they were able to walk out. Dear friends, we're living at a time that is no different to when this happened to Paul. Why did Paul get into trouble? Because he was preaching a gospel to a people that needed to hear. And we're living in similar times. I was just reflecting this last week again on some of the statistics of the 1040 region. You know, you look at 50 of the mega cities that are hardest to evangelize. They're all in this region around Asia. But you know the statistics about the number that haven't heard the gospel? The hardest places to evangelize are in this, around us in Asia, where most of us have come from. It's no different today than it was in Paul's time. But they were faithful to the calling. They were faithful to the things that God, Jesus Christ, was burdened about that he wants you and me to be burdened about. And how much we need an earthquake today. How much we need some foundations to be shaken today because people are still living. If you travel through that part of the world, you'll see whether it's a false religion or no religion. Deirdre was talking to a young lady a few days ago who believes that her answers to life can come from her praying to a dead grandmother. My dear friend, that lady was from Ireland, not even, in, not even these parts of Asia that we're talking about. That's the time and the, this is the time and the place that we're living in. And so we need some Foundations shaking. We need some doors to be opened because lots of these countries are countries that you cannot even get into because they won't give you a visa to get into. And we need some bands to be loose so that people can be saved and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, just like you know him, so that they can come and commune with him. And so Paul says, as he writes to Timothy, Timothy, make prayer a priority in your life so that you can live a victorious life. So that victory is a trait that can characterize your life. But then he says, as you move down verse 18, holding faith and a good conscience. We all know what a Good conscience, it's, it's a, that moral compass that we all have within us to be able to determine right or wrong. But I want to focus on that word faith today. And just like we want victory to be a defining trait, 
let's learn to commune with him so that an increasing faith can be a defining trait in your life and mine. That a growing or an increasing faith can be a defining characteristic in your life. And thinking about this, the Bible character that came to my mind was Hannah. Because you may be sitting here and saying, well, you don't know my circumstances. But here was Hannah, barren. Here was Hannah whose husband had another wife. Here was Hannah whose relative, if you could call the other wife, kept needling her continually about her state. That was Hannah. In a place of being provoked. And so Hannah comes before the Lord one day and she has two options. She could have prayed saying, God, Give me grace to be able to deal with my family. But that's not the prayer she prayed. But instead she said, Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to take my trial and make it a triumph. And she said, God, you do whatever you want. And she goes directly to the Lord, not to the priest. She goes directly to the Lord and makes known her request. You know the rest of the story about Hannah. And you know the story about Samuel. But here was a lady that was willing to allow the Lord to take her trial and grow her and grow her faith and allow the outcome of that to be one that could change a nation. I trust today that that's what we would want all of our lives to be. A life that is not only victorious, but a life of faith that allows God to show himself strong in our lives, in our families, around us, in our church, but also for God to be, do, be able to do something in our nation and the nations beyond. If that's what we want for Australia, if that's what we want for Asia, then the question is, are we, allowing, are we willing to allow God to increase our faith? And in order that he can increase our faith, are we willing to make our communion and our time of prayer a priority in our life. Third, not only allow victory to be a defining trait, not only allowing faith to be a defining trait, but allowing obedience to be a defining trait in our life. And so, if you read chapter, verse 20 of chapter 1, here's what Paul says. Sorry, let, let's, let, let me read 19 again. 
holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. And he, he names two people in the next verse. And so, the reminder is that let's make prayer a priority in our life so that we can war good warfare, so that we can grow in our faith, but finally, so that our lives don't end up in shipwreck. So that our lives don't end up in shipwreck. Allow obedience to be a priority in your life. And an example of this is in Second Chronicles chapter 21. Read the chapter when you get a chance at home today or whenever you can through the week. It's the story of Jerome, the king. Began to reign at the age of 32, ruled for, 30, ruled for eight years. He came into a good place, but he squandered the opportunities that he had. And the reason that he squandered that opportunity is because his focus was on himself. And he modeled himself after the wrong crowd. And that's not something for just young people. That's for all of us today. We need to ask ourselves, who are we modeling our life after? But not only did he squander his opportunities, he left things in a terrible state for that nation of Israel. Because he destroyed many good people and he led many of God's children astray. And what's sad is, as you read in that chapter, verse 20, he shipwrecked his own life and left without making his life count. What a sad state for any one of us to come to the end of our lives and let it be wasted because it didn't count. In fact, the Bible there describes him, him as he departed without being Desired. Departed without being desired. That's not what you and I want our lives characterized as. My dear friends, if we neglect our communion with the Lord and our walk with Him and our obedience to His word, that will be the outcome. Oh, we may not shipwreck ourselves but we may have missed some many good opportunities that the Lord desired to give us because we would take ourselves from where he has placed us and put us on a shelf and that's the purpose of prayer so the privilege of prayer is that we get to come to him the king of kings and the lord of lords but the purpose of prayer daily and our communion with him is so that we can fight a good warfare, that we can be victorious, that we can grow in our faith, 
like Hannah did. And we can guard against allowing our lives to be shipwrecked. But Paul in chapter 2 verse 1, as he finished, as he was writing to Timothy, he said, I exhort therefore first of all. And that's not only the privilege of prayer and the purpose of prayer, but God's desire with regards to the priority of prayer. Mornings are a good time. I don't know what your schedules are because some of you that I've heard get up and go in, in your, on your nursing schedules and work at 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do night shifts, night after night, how you do that. And so I'm not here to tell you what time you need to do, have your time with the Lord. That's for you and the Lord. But give God first place in your life and commune with him and fall in love with him. Because when we do that, we're not only able to keep ourselves in the right place, not only are we then growing, but as a result of that, others benefit, just like from Samuel's life. So I don't know what your resolutions are. But the flip side of Jerome, Jerome from 2 Chronicles chapter 21 is a character like Paul who said, who was, who, who, of whom it was said, these are men that are turning the world upside down. I would rather be in that camp of people that are turning the world upside down. Not in our strength, but because we're learning to stand on our, be on our knees before the Lord and communing with him and giving him first place so that he can take our lives and do that which he desires to turn Australia upside down, Sri Lanka upside down, Philippines upside down, and the world upside down. Because that's what's needed today. And so the question today is, what is your priority? Is prayer a priority? If not, I trust it would be that. The story is told of a young man who participated in the Olympics of 2004 by the name of Matt Emmons. He was in the rifle shooting competition, and this was the 50 meter with three position. And he was in the final round. And he was leading way ahead of those others that were competing with him. In fact, as it came to the final round, all that Matt Emmons had to do was to make sure that he just hit the circle. He didn't even have to worry about the bullseye that would have earned him an 8.1. He just needed to hit somewhere in that circle. And so Matt Emmons stood like he had been trained to do all for many, many years. He stood in lane two where he was required to stand. He aimed like he had practiced to do many times. And he pulled the trigger like he had trained to do many times. And in fact, that bullet hit the bullseye, which would normally have earned him that score of 8.1. In fact, everybody was so sure that he would win that those on the sidelines were practicing the American anthem that was to be played as he walked up to receive his gold medal. But this time, he didn't earn 
98.1. Because what happened was a hap an accident that had not happened before and that one that hasn't happened in that competition since. And that is as he stood on lane two and took careful aim and pulled the trigger, he hit the bullseye on lane three. And as the competition ended, and those that had to receive the prize walked up and stood in their respective places, and the anthems were played, Matt Emmons stood on the sidelines in tears. He hit the target. He was careful in his practice. But his target was the wrong one. I wonder as you think about 2019 and as we think about 2019 as a church, let's not be the people that do the same things and expect different results. But let's examine our hearts. Let's examine our priorities. Make sure that our focus and our priority is centered around God's word. And that prayer and your communion with the Lord, if there was one resolution that you and I were making, may it be that, God, let me just fall in love with you all over again. And make that your priority. And if you will, Paul reminds us that we can come before that throne room and speak with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He reminds us that we can fight a good warfare. That we can grow in our faith. That we can avoid our lives being shipwrecked. And as a result of that, allow him to not only allow our lives to be the best that they can be, but turn this world outside, upside down for him. Pastor EJ, I'm going to ask you if you'd please come and then just lead in the invitation. Shall we pray? It's about a nice close tonight. And what a prime reminder that our priority in life ought to be our prayer, our communion with God. So as the piano plays, I'd like to ask tonight, as often the case, would you be honest tonight to say that the, that the Lord spoke to your heart this evening? As the piano plays and you'd say, Pastor EJ, there's, um, the Lord spoke to my heart tonight in regards to my walk with Him, and I, I need to improve, I need to grow. I'm willing to admit that this evening, just pray for us, pray for my family. Is that you this evening? If that's you, just raise your hand. I see that hand over there, I see that hand. I see many hands around the church. Thank you for your honesty. So without further ado, instead of speaking anymore, spend some time with God. Reevaluate, reprocess what you're planning on doing in 2019 and, and focus on your priorities this evening. Praise the Lord for the sermon. It's not just that the sermon, but the words behind the sermon, the, the verses of scripture that we can hold dear to. Commit yourself this evening and, and ask God to bless you in this area of prayer. And by doing so, 
use you mightily this year. If you'd like to pray at the altar, the altars are open. If you'd like to pray in your seat, that's fine. Let's spend some time praying this evening. and It's okay, we're not in a rush. Let's pray.